I recently had the opportunity to connect with Lucy Basley, Deputy General Counsel of Legal Operations for Snowflake Computing. Lucy's also the founder and principal of Inalegal Services, an advisory group focused on providing outside counsel with the tools and resources they need to deliver better client services in this rapidly evolving legal ecosystem. In this episode, we dig into the world of legal operations from both an in-house and outside counsel perspective and learn about the one phrase that we all need to banish from our vocabulary. Lucy, thanks again for joining me today. It was great to see you again a couple of weeks ago at the Corporate Legal Operations Consortium in Vegas. Uh, definitely a, a fantastic event. Now, Mary O'Carroll, a clock president, made a comment in her opening speech about how a law firm partner once told her that this legal operations thing was a fad and that it would pass. The irony of that was she shared this story to a room of more than 2,000 legal ops professionals and vendors, so clearly not a fad. So if you had a chance to whisper something to that partner just before they stuck their foot in their mouth, what would you have said? That is a fantastic question. Yes, if I had my chance to get uh, close to the ears of some of the key partners at the big firms, I think, you know, the first the first thing I would um, alert them to is that they're going to see different skill sets across the table from them than they did before. So when they're coming in to talk to their clients, it's not going to necessarily be just that um, lead attorney on the project or on, the, on that piece of work. And it's not going to just be potentially their former colleague who recently joined the company mm -hmm. in-house, you know, from that same firm, which is very much a comfort zone for most law firm partners to expect in these conversations. They are very likely going to be joined by somebody from this legal operations function, whether it's a centralized function within the whole legal department or it's a, a particular skill set that is being, you know, uh, really used uh, effectively in a particular area like litigation or IP or, you know, commercial transactions, there's likely going to be another business professional that is sitting across the table. And the one thing I would want to alert that partner is, number one, uh, they will be there and they should be treated with the exact same respect as the, uh, you know, leading attorney that is uh, across the table from them, meaning they should be drawn into the conversation. Uh, their voice needs to be heard and included for sure. And from a substantive perspective, then, if we set you know, that aside, which I hope everybody would treat every professional at the meeting uh, you know, in, the, in the right way, but setting that aside, really from a substantive perspective, I would say, listen very carefully to what that person says, because it is likely going to be that person that is going to be on the hook for demonstrating the results of the relationship. They're going to be the ones that are going to work with the in-house attorney to actually show on paper how the relationship is going, whether it's going to be in the form of savings or predictability of the money that's being spent, or even more so, substantive outcomes, tracking certain aspects of the relationship in terms of outputs and deliverables uh, and outcomes, it is going to be that person that uh, the law firm partner is going to want to make sure is going to help that law firm look good on the inside. That would be my biggest tip right now. That's that's great. So how important do you think it is for law firms then to build a relationship with the legal ops professionals at their clients in, in addition to sort of the traditional general counsel CLO connection? I mean, I'm, I want to be super honest here. You know, it's easy for me to say very important and they should, but I want to be mindful of the realities as well. There are realities still that legal operations looks different at every company. It means something different in every legal department so far. And that's okay because legal operations, as we all know, 
is a combination of 12 to 15 to 20 different, uh, you know, capabilities and skills and functions. And that's okay. It doesn't have to be standardized and defined. But I think it is important to understand the client and their philosophy for legal ops. If they bring in a legal ops professional to a critical relationship meeting, then it is super important that the law firm create a relationship with that legal ops professional. If they're alluded to and referenced and maybe one, you know, brought in on a couple of emails, then I would be very honest with the law firm to say, you know, think about how you spend your time. Clearly, there's a role that the legal ops is playing, but think about how you engage with them, perhaps aligning somebody within the law firm who can speak the same language is the right way to go. And the law firm build a relationship in business professional to business professional, rather than trying to expect uh, maybe the you know, law firm relationship management partner to build a relationship. So there's different ways of doing it. The short answer is, of course, it's important, but it has to make sense and it has to be right-sized for the role that the in-house team has developed for their legal ops function. So clearly important, um, depending on the size and, and the relevance of, of the function, but clearly there are many law departments out there that don't yet have this function within their within their team. But asking for more resources to be able to, to build this out is always a challenge. What would you say to a general counsel or law department leader who is looking to build that business case to launch the function within the department? Okay, they may not like this, but I'm going to say get very comfortable using Excel or spreadsheets. <laughs> um, I, I have to say, and I'm, of course, I'm a believer and a fan of numbers and data and metrics. That's why I'm in the role I'm in. Um, I think the general counsels and law department leaders who get the value, get the importance, are going to have to roll up their sleeves and create a business case that looks like other business cases around the company. If this business case is going to a CFO, it has to look like something that would have come from sales or marketing or any other department that is, in fact, comfortable with the concept of a business case. This isn't about a lawyer anymore saying, hey, we're going to have to spend on law firms more. And, I, you know, I don't know how much, and it depends, um, but we need this. And, and the whole law firm use is such a black box that CFOs almost have uh, often no choice but to just side with the, the in-house lawyers and say, okay, you know, whatever you need, but... Be, be reasonable and, and kind of hope for the best. I think in this case, you really are demonstrating with your own business case the value of some of those skill sets, right? That, that law firm, or sorry, that law department leader needs to be able to demonstrate that a legal team is capable of putting together a business case, but it will only get better if they get the right kind of resources who can help with data analytics, with metrics. Now, being able to show that if we get the right resources and invest a little bit, we will be able as a legal department to track and measure and forecast in a way we've never before. That's very compelling, and it's very hard to do without that skill set, and that skill set does not naturally live with lawyers. So the case has to be made that there's an additional investment for new skills that simply don't exist in the legal department today but are necessary for the legal department to, to thrive and contribute to the bottom line of the company. So I think pencils, erasers, and Excel spreadsheets uh, have to be a part of the a part of the plan. Wow, and I think there's there's absolutely a growing expectation across CEOs and CFOs for law departments to start running more like a business within the business. So that makes a lot of sense. There are a few expressions in the English language, Lucy, that absolutely make me cringe. But one of my current least favorites is non-lawyer. Like I, my, my, the hair on the back of my neck just goes crazy whenever I hear that because it's you know frustrating to be defined by something that personally I'm not. 
And a lot of legal operations professionals come from a variety of professional backgrounds and disciplines, and many of whom, as you've described, don't never went to law school, are not a lawyer. But do you see any challenges then from an internal dynamic between legal counsel and other professions within a law department? And what advice would you have for, I guess, either or both groups? Oh, you hit on such a favorite topic of mine. Um, this is, was my, I think this was my first kind of entry actually into the social world on LinkedIn uh, where I just had to say something. And it was really, I think my first post was about this work, uh, this, this non-lawyer concept because it just gets under my skin. Um, the reason it gets under my skin personally as, as a practicing lawyer is the secret sauce to anything I could attribute my successes to in my long career at Microsoft and then afterwards and what I'm doing now is 100% attributable to the professionals that were working with me. And the professionals, I mean program managers, project managers, business analysts, financial analysts, solutions architects, and the list goes on and on. All of those things which I am not, let's be clear. I am a non-engineer. I am a non-PM. Um, I am a I'm non- not a lot of things. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, and so, so what's frustrating to me from a personal perspective and as a manager of, of these other professionals and, and wanting their careers to develop is I felt it even in-house, even internally. And so to your point, the great divide exists, not just at law firms, it's definitely in-house as well. It's across our entire profession, whether you're in legal aid, uh, government lawyer, it, it doesn't matter. We've created a profession, uh, a line uh, in our guild, basically. And we, we're either inside, you know, that box, or we're outside. And if we're outside, it's a non. And I think it is a terribly destructive concept. Uh, there was actually something on Twitter recently about it because I presented the same-ish topic at another conference, and others jumped to its defense. And why are we getting so wrapped around this and it's not a big deal? But I, wow. I find it a big deal personally, personally meaning the professionals that I so much rely on and work with, they're my peers, they're my colleagues, and they are experts in what they do, no less experts than what I do. Um, and I just, I find it uh, offensive. Um, the, the reason it exists, you know, in-house just as much as at law firms is frankly also, at law firms it's even more pronounced, I think, um, because the lawyers are the money makers, and that's the nature of the business. But don't forget, in-house lawyers are comprised of mostly law firm lawyers. Most of us, the way we make it in-house is after a couple of years of practice, we fall off at the firm and end up joining one of our clients for, for all the you know, right reasons. But nothing really naturally changes in how we perceive uh, those around us. I think you gain a better appreciation for these other skill sets in-house because you are now embedded in a business that is made up of other professional contributions, not just lawyers making money at all. In fact, we're a cost center. So... There is a little bit of a shift that occurs in-house, but I do think uh, that great divide does exist. The advice I have is it's actually very simple. The lawyers have to lead this change. It is the lawyers who need to stop saying non-lawyer. It is the lawyer who needs to jump up in defense in a room when somebody introduces themselves as I'm a non-lawyer. I can't tell you the countless meetings I would sit in, even in my in-house roles where Somebody introduces themselves as, oh, I'm not a lawyer, I'm here to blah, 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 or worse. I'm not a lawyer, I, I'm just here to, you know, ABC. If there's like a lawyer in that room, it's apologizing room, before you've, it's yeah. apologizing for nothing. Yeah, absolutely. Exactly. So I feel like the lawyers need to be the first ones to demonstrate with action, not words, 
the value they place on these people. And that means in legal departments, they shouldn't have caps on promotions for people who aren't attorneys. There should never be statements made like, well, you know, unless you're an attorney, it's going to be really difficult to blah, 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 you know, grow, develop, or evolve. Or, uh, that needs to be cut off immediately by the leadership of the legal team in-house. Law firms, same thing, and I think we're seeing it with various positions, right? Positions like yours, Joanne, other positions are certainly creeping up and popping up. And I think that's fantastic and it's a good first step, but the proof is in the pudding. Are these people actual decision makers? Are they brought into the meetings where decisions are being made? Are they put in front of clients, not as simply a check the box, but they're assigned and allocated responsibilities, you know, and, and direct where things go in the relationship. So it's a combination of changing the words that are used and the words have to be changed by the attorneys. We have to be the first ones to stop it. And then it's enabling and empowering other professionals to be in decision-making roles at firms, in-house, and across the whole ecosystem. Uh, but it's a core problem because we're going to start losing extremely capable professionals if they don't feel good about their role. If they don't feel valued, we'll lose them. And that's, that's why people leave jobs. We, you know, we know that. So I couldn't be more... Uh, frustrated and passionate about making this uh, this change, um, but I look at my attorney brethren, my my fellow guild members, that we have to lead this change desperately. Well said, I agree with that. So this is a perfect segue to uh, my next question, Lucy, which is about people and talent development and managing those important interpersonal relationships and dynamics. And this is now the focus, I think, of, of the conversation, at least certainly at, at Clock this year. It was, it was heavily um, mentioned and referenced, whereas for years, this was, conversation was always about technology and perhaps to a lesser extent process. So obviously, you're very passionate about people and, and talent development, and I, I completely agree with you that that diversity of thought and experience is what makes us richer as a team. Um, so I, I completely agree with your comments. But what are your thoughts are on, on sort of this focus on people? And what do you predict the, the next big buzz is for legal operations? Where are we headed next? Let me just first answer or address the concept of you know, people and talent developing. I think, um, again, as we bring in other skill sets and professionals into the practice of law and, more importantly, into the delivery of legal service, because that's another taxonomy we need to move towards. We need to get away from practice of law and we need to move towards delivery of legal service. And every law firm you know, should be talking about that as their core job. Um, but as we, you know, as we move in that direction, the engagement and complete integration and incorporation of other professionals and other skill sets is a requirement. Law firms simply will not succeed in the future without integrating other skill sets and professionals. To keep the best ones, they're going to have to reward them appropriately um, and treat them as a valued member of the leadership of the entire organization. So that, that has to happen. Um, I think in the junior levels, it's really important for uh, people in legal ops to not be made to feel like administrators. Uh, I think, uh, not, again, that's a, that's a whole different set of functions. And those are perfectly necessary where they are, but legal operations is not about administration. It is actually a set of professional skills. And I think it's important that people see career paths uh, and people see the opportunity to develop and evolve and grow and, and not to make to feel like their role is, you know, either temporary or, you know, has a cap. 
So I hope to see all of those things across, again, whether it's law firms, you know, or in-house. Uh, you know, the next buzz for legal operations, I, I think I'm going to have to say, uh, I, I want to hope. I hope we're going to move, and maybe my hope will turn into, a, maybe it's a prediction. Um, I want to move back to, or not back to, we never were simple. We, we moved so far so fast into getting very deep into data analytics and deep into project management and deep into these you know, technologies and various parts and, and, and um, components of legal operations that it's hard sometimes to step back and simplify the general goal of ops. How do you operate the department as a business with these key three things? Let's look at the top three. And if people start working towards that, I think the solutions become easier. I think, frankly, it'll help us sift through all the technology. It's overwhelming. It's overwhelming to somebody who's deep into it, like me. It's certainly overwhelming to the regular practicing attorney who has no idea how to make heads or tails of all the solutions that are being you know, thrown at them and demos they're being invited to. Same thing with data, data analytics. Not everybody needs a data scientist. Not everybody needs to become a data expert. But what are the, what are the basics? So I, I'm hoping that our deep dive that's happened over the last few years will end up being kind of like panning for gold. And the key nuggets of what legal operations can and should be will become simpler and something that is more easy to implement, easy to justify, uh, and a little bit more kind of um, table stakes in every corporate legal department of any size, as opposed to what it is now. There's the departments who get it and those who don't. And, and that shouldn't be that divide anymore. It should be that with every general counsel, there is a pretty quick next few hires that really is focusing on the simple set of key requirements that should make up what legal operations really needs to be as a baseline. And then there's room to go deep. But right now, I'd, I'd love to see a bit of a simplification, frankly. It's almost like the pendulum swung a little bit too far, right? And, and we'll come back to center and, and sort itself out. I think that's right. And what's happening is there's excitability around it, and everybody is just jumping on this, and everything is about this. And, and I, it, it's, it, it's a little much, and it's, it's really just also hard to sift through the the talking and pontification and dreaming and, and, and the doers and the actions and the, what can I do tomorrow? <laughs> what should I do tomorrow? So I'm hoping legal ops as a, again, this community and, and set of skills and functions can help ease that, uh, that overwhelming excitability without easing, you know, the attention that it needs, but, but become a little bit more, um, focused, actionable, and, and really just simple. Simple for especially the practicing attorneys who feel like they need something in the space, but have no clue where to start. So I'd like to see leadership, you know, in, in that space. I think that's really exciting, Lucy. Thank you so much for the conversation today. It's always so much fun to connect with you and uh, look forward to continuing the conversation. Thank you so much, Joanna. It was a pleasure.